Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode 29. Today, we'll be reviewing season five, episodes seven and eight of The Walking Dead with the lens of purpose. But before we dive in, how are you doing today, Brittany? I am doing excellent. I'm very excited to go see my friend in Florida and witness her wedding. Aww, that's <laughs> going to be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. So I'm. it'll be a quick trip, but it'll be very rewarding. How about yeah. you? And you also have a birthday coming up. <laughs> Remember, you're going to be 27. Yes, 27. <laughs> I like it. Three more years till 30, and then I want kids, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, but seriously. (laughs) Anyway, how are you doing, Diana? I am doing really good. And you know, today would have been Michael Jackson's 60th birthday, which is really shocking to me. That's crazy. Yeah, it's been like 10 years since he passed away. I think I heard oh that. Oh my gosh. Is that crazy? I didn't realize it was so long. I know. It seems it feels I can't like yesterday. Yeah, I can't believe that. And I can't believe he would be 60. That's like, I don't know. He was so young. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I'm doing good otherwise. <laughs> good. I'll have to go listen to some Michael Jackson when we get out of here. <laughs> yes. And now for our recaps. Okay. Season 5, Episode 7, Crossed. So Rick, Daryl, Noah, Tyrese, and Sasha, they plan to go to, I think it's Grady Memorial Hospital, to save Beth. And they kidnap three cops to plan an exchange. So after being unresponsive for some time, Abraham finally says he wants to live. Season 5, Episode 8, Coda. Rick and the group set up for the trade between the cops and Beth and Carol. Father Gabriel realizes Terminus people were in fact cannibals once he sees Bob's leg on the barbecue pit. Abraham and the group return to the church. Michonne tells Maggie Beth is alive. They head to the hospital. Meanwhile, Dawn uses Beth to her advantage and tells her Noah will be back. Rick and company make the trade, but Dawn demands Noah's return, which angers Beth, and she stabs Dawn. Dawn shoots Beth, and Daryl kills Dawn. Thank God. A truce is called, and the group walks out in grief as Daryl carries Beth's lifeless body toward Maggie and the others. Okay, Brittany, where did you see the theme of purpose in these episodes? I saw it with Father Gabriel, and I see how a dismal lack of purpose and then a reassessment of purpose has really affected him. He looks down at the blood on the church floors, and he begins scratching it off. He's so broken, dismayed, and just mortified by the violence that took part in his church. I feel like we were so hard on Father Gabriel at first, and that's fine. We're totally valid in our feelings because he's not like our warriors of main characters. However, after re-watching this, I feel like his actions and reactions are pretty real. Not everyone in this apocalypse would be natural fighters, survivalists, and team players. And, I mean, think about all the people in our lives. Do you think that they would be similar to Rick and company? And... If they did, don't you think it would take some time? When Carl talks about how soft or hard the walker schools are, 
Father Gabriel has a visceral reaction. Mm -hmm. He hasn't had to come face to face with this reality yet. And it's really tested his entire existence in relationship to God. Honestly, part of it for me is Father Gabriel's outward appearance. For me, I feel like it's off-putting to us that a young African-American man is not quickly adaptable to the apocalypse. Personally, when I think of uptight priests, I think of old men, (laughs) and they probably would act with the same contempt and distrust of these people. Father Gabriel just hasn't seen the world for what it is yet. And yes, that's part of that is totally his own fault and choice. However, not everyone acclimates to new environments instantly, including the mindset shift that needs to happen in order to survive. New environments always cause discomfort, at least for me, and a bit of apprehension. It reminds me of Bias Busters, a workshop that we conduct with our new students at orientation, and of other professional development workshops I've participated in with my past jobs. When you're learning something new or adjusting to new types of people, workplaces, ideas, whatever, it takes all of us various amounts of time and in-person, real-life situations to fully understand that or to sympathize with it at least. We ask our students to be open and non-judgmental and that this is a safe learning space and I believe that we should be the same of life everywhere, not just school or work, and yes, especially when analyzing pop culture. I learned that it takes people making 10% shifts towards growth and learning rather than changing their ways or beliefs overnight. For example, when I first moved in with my boyfriend, he did absolutely no housework. I started to feel pressure of needing to do it all and then realized I already worked full-time and that's not what I wanted to come home to, more work. So at first when I expressed this, I was really disappointed because I thought the conversation would change him overnight. Nope, of course not. At first he would clean the dishes more, but then I'd be frustrated over the laundry. And it wasn't until I read more about changing and normalizing behavior that these shifts happen in 10% or less, typically and you have to celebrate those smaller victories because it really does encourage more of the behavior that you want to foster. I like that point. Very good point, Brittany. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so I want to talk about Beth's purpose. Like I've said before, I didn't appreciate Beth the first time around. I wasn't invested in her character, but my feelings for her have shifted. I really like and miss her. She has really grown from that young, naive girl back on the farm. She was quiet, soft-spoken, and sheltered. She saw her family and friends die, and even though she attempted suicide back on the farm, she had a change of heart and a will to live and found her purpose. She lifts others with her singing, her music, her optimism, and faith. She believes in people and that there is good. She isn't blind to the current world and understands that there are bad people too, but she chooses to remain hopeful. While at the hospital, Beth fights for Carol and gets Dawn to help her save her life. Dawn continues to turn a blind eye to all the corrupt happenings at the hospital. Beth tells Dawn, you keep telling yourself you have to do whatever it takes until this is over, but it's not over. This is who you are and what this is until it's over. Beth then tells Dawn, 
she will get out like Noah. And Don says, he will come back. They always do. So after Beth and Carol are exchanged for the two cops, Don says she wants Noah too. Rick says that isn't a part of the deal, but Noah says he'll go back and he and Beth hug. As Don whispers, I knew you'd be back, which infuriates Beth. Beth says, I get it now, as she stabs Don and then is shot by Don's gunfire. It was so fast and shocking that my brain was racing to catch up. I was checking everyone's reaction because it was so important. But in the end, Beth saved Carol and she saved Noah. I really feel that Beth stood up for the ones she loved and got rid of the crooked cop, one that won't hurt any more people. And that was her purpose. It reminded me of what you said last week, Brittany, about Rick getting rid of Gareth because he would do what he did to Rick in the group to someone else and Rick wasn't having that. And that is what Beth did here. She knew Dawn would continue and she just couldn't have that. Yeah, Beth definitely went out a hero. So I'm really glad that you highlighted that because we unfortunately won't be talking about her anymore. (laughs) But speaking of people we did not like at first, I would like to loop back to Father Gabriel. I just feel like I have a little more to say about him. So Father Gabriel studied and lived his life as a pastor for probably, I don't know, the majority of his life. I don't remember his background, but yes, other people had their jobs and some of their jobs didn't ask for a complete life change from them. And think about it. Rick admits he was never religious, but he was a well-trained, well-equipped cop. This helped him immensely to be ahead of the game. Once the apocalypse hit, Rick had a multitude of survival skills embedded into that career path. Yes, others have risen from nothing, but I don't believe in competition when it comes to growth and education. Father Gabriel is on his own path to redirecting his purpose, and he chose a life dedicated to his faith and his God. His career was about being the facilitator of those who wanted a relationship with God, and his arsenal of skills included talking, discussing, planning sermons, working with the community, and analyzing texts just as we do with this podcast. So I really feel for him. He had to gradually come to terms with the fact that not only has his life purpose changed, in this new world, many people will not respect his purpose or they'll think his purpose is completely useless and maybe even think lower of him because of it, even before the apocalypse. Even now, people are tough and skeptical of those who are religious. I mean, think about someone who devotes their entire life to it. I just think that it takes tremendous strength, confidence in your character, endurance, and unwavering faith to really hold on to your beliefs and faith in a world that doesn't respect you, sympathize with you, or makes you feel like a fool or as if you're useless. So I have some respect for Father Gabriel after re-watching this. So where else did you see purpose in these episodes, Diana? So I saw it with Daryl and how he was Rick's sounding board, and I think he was really important. He had to pull Rick back and bring him to his senses at times. Rick has a plan for getting into the prison and rescuing Beth and Carol, but Tyrese opts for another plan and Daryl listens to both and agrees with Tyrese. 
And Rick looks at him, and although he's not entirely sold, he trusts Daryl and goes with the plan. Then, when Rick has that cop at gunpoint that almost killed Daryl with those chomping walker heads, he looks like he is ready to pull the trigger. But Daryl calls out his name, and Rick isn't backing down. And then Daryl calls out his name again, and Rick finally lowers his gun. Daryl says three is better than two. Later, at the exchange of the cops for Carol and Beth, Beth stabs Dawn and Dawn reactively shoots Beth and in retaliation, an enraged Daryl pulls out his gun and shoots Dawn in the head. After the situation is calmed down between the groups, Daryl carries Beth's body out of the hospital. Norman Reedus had talked about how Daryl viewed Beth as being the light at the end of the tunnel because she was so hopeful and now the light was out. I feel so bad for Daryl, but I was happy he was able to see Beth alive, even for a few minutes, and ultimately was able to bring her body home. Okay, Brittany, what other things did you notice in these episodes? Well, I noticed the relationship dynamics between older, in quotes, and quotes, younger women. (laughs) Dawn tells Beth, I was like you when I was younger. Nobody could tell me anything. Gorman and O'Donnell hurt people. The world didn't lose anything when they died. And you're wrong about what happened. I didn't use you and I will remember. And I understand Dawn's point. I agree with her. No one will miss those men. However, I hate the dynamics at play when older women talk to younger women, even if they're not that much older. Dawn is what? 30-something, 40-something? I don't know. I'm really bad at guessing people's ages. And Beth is maybe, I don't know, 19. I just hate the patronizing tone of, I was like you. And then immediately assuming that your experience will be theirs. There are 7 billion people on this planet. And yes, some things are totally universal knowledge, such as giving birth is typically painful. Getting your period freaking sucks, and life can be confusing sometimes. However, I mean, to think you know what lies ahead for someone just because you've lived one reality of it, it's totally patronizing and condescending. Dawn thinks that Beth will eventually become more like her, and that Beth's life experiences will teach her the reasoning behind who Dawn is now. Of course, Beth doesn't get this chance. But who's to say how she would have turned out 20 years from now? I really just want women to support other women, no matter the age or life experience behind it. Okie dokie, Smokey, what were some other things you noticed? So I want to talk about Maggie's reaction to Beth being alive and then ultimately her reaction to her death. It is so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, her face. She sees the others come out and she gets a slight grin, but I'm sure she notices they are all grief-stricken and she drops her weapon and screams in agony and then drops to the ground, all while the music plays and the others are reacting and it was so incredibly sad. I really loved the feeling at the end of Coda. The music was powerful and the backdrop of an abandoned, ravaged Atlanta was hauntingly beautiful and it really struck a chord with me. I agree. I felt the same. It was a very nicely strewn together scene. 
Yeah. It was good. But it was also really sad. Yeah. I cried re-watching yeah. that. Even though you know what's coming. I know. It's just so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so moving. Yeah. I think the music helps. Because I actually just re-listened to the music and it's very minimal, but it's oh, it's just music can be so powerful. So. Yes. Um, also, I, you talked about Father Gabriel and it makes me wonder how he made it for so long. I know he had the shelter of the church and that food, but he really made it that long. So it was <laughs> kind of incredible. And then toward the end of the episode, he was finally selfless and he helped Michonne and Carl escape at the end. I think when he saw what the Terminus people really were, cannibals mm-hmm. and everything else. I was also impressed with Carl and a little bit amused too. He tells Father Gabriel, we can teach you to defend yourself. And Father Gabriel says, defend myself? They said they would go, referring to the Terminus group. And Carl says, they lied. They wanted us dead. Your church is lucky it lasted this long. He says, you need to learn how to fight. (laughs) Father Gabriel grabs a weapon. Carl describes what has to be done to put down the walker. And he just can't take it. And Father Gabriel says, I need to lie down. (laughs) I I I love Carl. I know. (laughs) He's such a sassy little kid. (laughs) He is. Okay, we are at our segment of why we love Rick. (laughs) Brittany, why do you love Rick? I'm sorry, I don't know how to articulate my feelings about Rick this week, but just like know that I love him, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he is brave. The only thing he is afraid of is losing his people. Mm-hmm. But he's never afraid for himself. He is so protective of his people and will do anything to get his people back. He doesn't want to go to Atlanta, but does for Carol. He wants to kill the cop that tried to kill Daryl, but Daryl stops him. He is willing to put himself at risk when talking to the cops about the exchange. They could have shot him at any time. They didn't know he had backup. Also, I have to mention when he chased down Lampkin and Lampkin tells him that they will all die and not make it into the prison and Rick shoots him and says, shut up. (laughs) I thought that was a really good one, Rick. (laughs) Okay, we are at our segment of what we are currently watching. So what are you currently watching, Brittany? So for TV... I began watching episode one of The Innocence. It's a Netflix original. And it's like starting to make me wonder. They really just continue to keep pushing out content. And it's crazy to me, but also worrisome. I really wonder Mm -hmm. about their profits Mm -hmm. and if this is a long-term sustainable business. Or if Netflix will slowly but surely increase their prices. Because you know five people use one account. It's just really not profitable to me. Anyway... I also watched another Netflix comedy stand-up special, my favorite, clearly, Bert Kreischer, I think that's his name, Secret Time. It's kind of off-putting at first because he does his whole gist without a shirt on. <laughs> I don't know if I'd like that. It's like really, it's very distracting, but yeah. he was like, he was funny, oh, so gosh. I'll give him that, but it was very distracting. Yeah. <laughs> I also watched the Sharp Objects finale, which I know that you watched too, mm-hmm. and spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for everyone if you haven't read the books or watched this yet. I am happy that they stayed true to the book's killer because it's, uh, I thought it was great. It's Emma. 
such a good lesson to mothers all around. Yes, your children need love and they do need you for a bit. Eventually, though, they shouldn't. <laughs> that, should, <laughs> that should be your hope for them, I think. Yes. I mean, if you cultivate a reality for them that your kids rely heavily on you and you were the only person who could truly provide meaningful love for them, you basically create serial killers. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but you will foster children who have deeply rooted issues when it comes to love, possession, and relationships. Emma ended up dangerously envious of anyone her mother showed affection for. And eventually, this shifted to Camille. Camille, on the other hand, paid the price for not letting her mother coddle her, aka poison her. (laughs) (laughs) She went her whole life basically feeling like her mom didn't like her or love her. And then as she revisits her mother, Adora confirms she never loved Camille. What? Oh my God, please, 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 if this teaches us anything, it should be that a mother's hopes for her children should be to be strong enough and independent enough to be a part of the world, not hidden away from it and jealous of it. So, wow. (laughs) I also started watching this miniseries called Safe Harbor. I think it's going to be like four episodes about a group of friends and they're sailing to Indonesia, but they come across this boat which has a ton of asylum seekers, and they're looking to go to Australia. So you basically see what happens after all of this. And the overarching question to us, the audience, is what would you do in this situation? It's really intriguing, and I love seeing Phoebe Tonkin speak in her natural Australian accent. She's from Vampire Diaries in the originals, and she had an American accent, in that, but I just I love seeing her again. For movies, I watched Minding the Gap. It is a documentary directed by Bing Liu. And wow, this was a huge punch to the gut. It's the real life stories of three friends who grew up in Rockford, Illinois. They're all high school dropouts and are dealing with the aftermath of child abuse, their ideas of fatherhood, becoming an adult, and just life in general. They're all struggling and your heart really aches for them. Bing even interviews his own mom about the abuse that his stepdad put them all through. And it's so uncomfortable, but it's super heartbreaking to see them have this conversation. And it seems like it's the first time on screen. But the ending montage was my favorite. It was beautifully strewn together. And I I really commend Bing for this film. And I was so surprisingly moved and impressed. I also watched Crime and Punishment. This is a documentary following the NYPD 12s, police officers who bring a class action lawsuit against their supervisors for forcing them to make arrests based on meeting quotas. And this was a practice which was outlawed in 2010, but clearly was still happening. And it shows the awful aftermath that attempting to reach quotas can have on our society. Clearly, with Black Lives Matter and so much cell phone footage showing the brutality of police officers, This film did shed light on 12 police officers who just wanted police reform, though, and they wanted to actually just do their jobs. So it was very interesting. I also watched John McCain, For Whom the Bell Tolls. This is a documentary about the life of John McCain. This was released earlier this year, and I'm so happy I watched it. I obviously, if you know me, didn't agree with all of his political stances, but that's okay. I think that's what makes America great. (laughs) 
<laughs> is the fact that we're all so different. I didn't know a lot of McCain's history. Like the fact that he was imprisoned for five years in Howlow Prison and refused to be rescued until those who were there before him were released first. I mean, this man was a true man of honor. Mm-hmm. Of course, he made mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get defensive and go into watching these interviews and documentaries of people in politics as, and I, I feel super biased, but I'm glad that I watched this and I learned more about him. So just sending prayers to his family because I can't imagine going through that. And lastly, I watched Tiny Shoulders Rethinking Barbie. It is a fascinating documentary about the history of Barbie and her journey into becoming a more modern feminist toy for young girls. It's really crazy how much she's changed along with the times and the world's reception to it, like their reaction to it. At first, people didn't like that she was a toy that had breasts, visible body type. They thought it was inappropriate for little kids to be playing with it. So it's just crazy to see how much it changed. (laughs) I mean, it's to me. Right. Like, but you wouldn't think about that, right? Like, it's just like, oh, that's Barbie. She's been around forever. (laughs) She comes here every year. I I wanted to say one thing about um, John McCain was Mm. that... um, because I was listening to some current things, and I, I knew he was a prisoner of war, but I didn't realize he was like two years in a solitary confinement and about his broken bones and mm-hmm. then just slapping a cast on him. I mean, that's like crazy. And I, you know, yes, I don't agree with him politically, but I do respect him. Yeah. And I love that. Like, he respects people even though they may not agree with him, too. I I love that he has that approach. Just like uh, journalists, he says, he he hates the press, but he says, but we need them. Mm -hmm. And I love that because he's just showing he may not like something, but he, too, respects things that he may not like. So I can appreciate people like that. Definitely. And he doesn't like so. Trump's, most of Trump's policies. Right. And he's or a he Republican. So, so. Yeah. so that yeah. tells you a lot. Yeah. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> and about Barbie. I had a Barbie. Well, I had a few Barbies, but my one favorite Barbie, I chewed her feet. Oh, my gosh. I, I guess I just had a thing when I was a kid. I chewed, like, her feet. And hmm. I felt really bad because I loved that Barbie. So I used to put boots on her. Like, oh the little gosh. tall go-go boots. Yeah. So I could cover her. That her, is so her funny. Chewed up. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I love that Barbie. (laughs) Just FYI. Okay, so I watched Fear the Walking Dead Season 4, Episode 11, The Code. So this is a spoiler alert if you haven't watched it yet. Morgan is on the road again. He takes cover in a semi-truck during the hurricane and wakes up to find that he is in Mississippi. (laughs) What? He finds a convenience store that has electricity running water, and someone on the other end of a radio. It's all very intriguing. Hmm. He gets to use the bathroom, and they actually show him on the toilet. And I kept thinking, don't lower the camera. (laughs) Don't lower the camera. And they lower the camera. What? I didn't want to see Morgan on the toilet, but we did. (laughs) I mean, they didn't show any important parts, but it was just the idea. But He did get to use toilet paper, which must have been awesome. So he meets three new characters who I am not sure how much I like, but 
he is traveling with them. And so we'll see how it goes. Um, at one point, Morgan comes to a crossroads and has to make a choice that just doesn't feel like him, but I don't blame him either. He is just afraid. Um, so, you know, I hope everything turns out okay for Morgan and we'll see. Oh, and at the very end of the episode, we are introduced to one more scary character. And when I say scary, it's in like weird. It's like bizarre. You're like, WTF? (laughs) What's happening? Anyway, so it was a good episode. I watched uh, The Talking Dead, and this had the two new characters on the show, Wendell, played by Daryl Mitchell, and Sarah, played by Mo Collins. And since I wasn't impressed with these new characters on the show, I wasn't invested in The Talking Dead. Um... So, you know, but what I did like about them is that they are real. They feel like real people. They are middle-aged and one has a disability. So I really appreciated that part. And I also watch Sharp Objects and I too was so shocked with the (laughs) ending. And I agree with everything that Brittany said because it's 100% true. (laughs) Um... Shocking. I mean, you have to watch through the credits to see it all. So Mm -hmm. if you watch it, you have to watch everything. Um, So, oh, so you think you could dance? We went from the top six to the top four. And I didn't think Genesee or Slavic would make it to the top four because the dancers are all so strong. But guess what? (laughs) They made it. They are my favorite. And I guess they are everyone else's too. Because it's, you know, people voting for them. And it's funny because there's three women and Slavic. And that's a little shocking because usually they keep the top men and women in equal numbers. But they are just going with the top four. So uh, I think the finale is next week and I'm excited to see it. And I also watched as my homework <laughs> from Brittany <laughs> to all the boys I've loved before. And I just, I loved it. <laughs> I listened to an interview with Lana Condor, and she talked about the great chemistry she had with Janelle Parrish, who played her sister, and how they are still really great friends. And um, also Noah, how do you say his last name? Centineo. Centineo, who played Peter. Uh, They hung out a lot outside of the movie, so they were really comfortable with each other. And I think we're going to see more of Lana in a lot more things. She is really likable. Just want to tell you something. Yes. Jimmy and I were, I think I was irritated with him the other night. And then all of a sudden he just put on to all the boys I've loved before. (laughs) (laughs) And do you know what I did? I just shut up, sat down and watched. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) That is cute. He's like, I know how to do this. I know how to clear up this this bickering or whatever it is. That's so, funny. Yes, I just wanted to share that funny yeah, moment with you. That's cute. <laughs> and thank you for doing your homework. You get an A+. Plus. <laughs> I was looking forward to it because the trailer really made me want to see it. And then with your ringing endorsement, I'm like, okay, I have to watch it. Okay. You only saw it like 10 times or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is good. So watch it. Yes. 
Um, I also watched Mission Impossible, Fallout, Tom Cruise, baby. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good action-packed movie. I cannot believe that Tom Cruise does all his own stunts. So many of them are amazing, and I love how fast he runs. <laughs> it reminded me of when Rick runs really fast. I must have this thing with men and running fast. I don't know. Anyway, Tom Cruise broke his ankle during this movie, and I saw the scene, and I said, ouch, when he did it. I have to say, I did shed a few tears at the end. The scene between him and his ex-wife um, is very touching, and only I would cry in an action film. <laughs> I also saw Ready Player One, and it's an interesting film, and I wasn't sure that I was going to like this film because of all the CGI, but I did appreciate it, and I love the 80s references, and all the music. It was really good. And I also really like seeing Olivia Cook in this, who is from Bates Motel. Yeah, another her one character of our was favorite, awesome. Yeah, another one of our favorite shows. So that is what I watched this week. Awesome! All right, we are at our segment, and the award goes to. So, Brittany, what was your favorite quote, character, or moment? My favorite moment and characters, I guess, were Tyrese and Sasha's sibling connection. So Tyrese says, I'm going to say it and you're going to listen. <laughs> and then when you're ready, you let me help you. You got to say goodbye. He saw it. He felt it. You can hold on to anything you want to, but I think you should hold on to that. And he really empathizes with her grief, but also wants her to be able to move past it and to be positive, just like Bob was. Later on, Sasha says, you're still the same, and that is good. Recognizing her brother's valuable character and the good things about him that have stayed throughout all this dress. On another note, I was very happy to see Morgan find the church, as well as the map with Abraham's note to Rick Grimes. It was a very happy heart moment. <laughs> Yes, Brittany, I agree. Morgan finding the note and seeing Rick's name on it with a little bit of light with so much sadness in these episodes. So my favorite sequence is the end when Beth is killed and seeing the devastating reaction of all her loved ones. Besides Daryl and Maggie, they show Rick's state of shock. Carol is crying. Noah, Sasha, and Tyrese... I love that I am invested in these characters and that they bring me to tears. It's because these actors and writers and directors bring these characters to life. I do want to say that Beth's character not only brought music and hopefulness to the group, but she was also very nurturing and motherly. Here she was a teenager taking care of baby Judith. She really was Judith's caretaker. Mm -hmm. I mean, she had that baby with her all the time. I hope <laughs> in the Walking Dead world, they tell Judith that for the first year of her life, that she had a lovely, brave songbird that took care of her. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, <laughs> Beth Green. <laughs> Rest in peace, Beth Green. <laughs> 
that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity, or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend we would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Constructive criticism is appreciated. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on Season 5, Episodes 9 and 10. You will find our blog at the link listed in our show notes. See you next time. Bye. Bye.